God. It points out my wrongs. Tells me I've got necessary sins. And tells me how to beat them. It also leads me to life eternal. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad this is the last sermon. Pray for Don Baker. He's up trying to get his mom convinced that she needs to move back with him. That's a good luck thing for him to try to do. Uh, She is in her 90s, and uh, coming to Jinx is not on her radar. But uh, nevertheless, pray for Don. He's going to attempt that. (laughs) And he's making sure that she is losing her job. So, yes, she works every day. That's what gets her up out of bed every day. So... It's going to be interesting, so be praying for Don. I know he would appreciate that. We have a video to show you before our message starts, so let's take a look at that real quick. Sure. I get upset sometimes. Driving in traffic makes me angry. Waiting in line annoys me. When my kids don't listen, that frustrates me. And my husband's stupid habits completely irritate me. Driving in traffic, waiting in line, not listening, stupid habits. Angry, annoyed, frustrated, irritated. Angry, annoyed, frustrated, irritated. You think these sins are avoidable? If you ask me, I think they're absolutely necessary. Today we're wrapping up our four-part series uh, called Necessary Sins. We've been looking at these and, and uh, we've answered the question, what is a necessary sin? Uh, in this series, we've tried to define that for you. We live in a world today that some sins are obvious that all of us agree on, that they're wrong. You think of murder, you think of rape, you think of stealing. Uh, those are wrong. Those are just wrong. But sometimes, and quite honestly, we begin to justify some of the smaller or littler, or littler, is that a word? Um, or less uh, hurtful sins. Sometimes we'll even say they're necessary for us to, to use. We've been uh, praying a prayer all month from Psalm 139 with uh, David penned the words. Um, if we, do we have that, Jeff? The, there we go. Let's read it together. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Boy, that's a powerful prayer that we've prayed all month. And I hope and pray that we are doing that in our own life, that we're asking God. Uh, He wants to, David says, search me, God, search me, know my heart. And then he says, test me. And then he says, point out anything I do that really bothers you. Now, that's that's a powerful prayer, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes we don't want to ask God, what is it I'm doing that you don't like? When you were growing up, did you ever ask your parents, am I doing anything that that bothers you? Did you ever ask your parents that? 
You probably didn't have to. They told you the things that you were doing that they didn't like that were offensive to them. That's what parents are for. But um, we need to do the best we can to be pleasing to God in every possible way. Uh, we've been looking this month at lying, and we found out that just because it's common doesn't mean it's right. We've looked at gossip and realized that everything we say must be true, but not everything that's true needs to be said. We looked at lust and we found from different perspectives how God would help us heal from a sin that so many people think, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way and that's who I am. But today I want us to take a look at the fourth topic and that we tend to think is necessary at times, and it's the idea of anger. How it applies to our life. I think our little uh, video person was so true. We get in traffic and we get upset. We have to stand in line. If we have to wait any any length of time, we tend to get angry about it. Uh, parents try to get their kids to listen, and they won't listen. And then, ladies, you have husbands that have stupid habits. Amen? Can I get an amen, ladies? <laughs> it's pretty subdued. <clears throat> I was going to ask some questions, but after that response, we'll just move on. But we want to get beyond excuses. Let's get down to the root, talk about anger. You know, some people will say, well, I'm just kind of hot-headed. Or they'll say, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have reacted this way. Really? See, it's easy to blame others, isn't it? It's always easy to blame others. Much more difficult to take responsibility. But anger leads down roads we don't want to go. But I also want you to understand that there's sometimes that anger can be a good thing. And we're going to talk about that too. All right, let's dig in here. Feeling upset about something isn't where the sin occurs. It's our response to anger that leads us to do the right or the wrong thing. Paul said it. We read it earlier in our, in our verses in Ephesians. But let's look at it again. Verse 26, 27, it said, in your anger, what? Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And read this part for me. And don't, do not give the devil a foothold. Wow. That's pretty strong. You see, how we sin is when we let anger control us. And Satan then uses it as a Foothold. It's kind of like getting your foot in the door. Don't go there. Don't go do those certain things. Don't get involved in that particular activity. Well, but I want to. Well, but don't do it because it will always end up leading you further in a way you don't want to go. Amen? So we have to be very, very careful about that. But I love this Greek word for foothold. It's the Greek word uh, topos, and it means that uh, an opportunity, it means a location, but it literally can mean a room. So we don't want to give anger a room where the devil can set up shop. Let's don't give him a room to do that. Now, I love to watch coaches operate. Coaches are fun to watch because they can be just as mild-mannered looking and all that, and then an instant, man, they can change. 
In an instant they can change. They can, there was one that they had on TV last night that was so funny. He was so mad at the umpires, a baseball uh, uh, coach. And he was so mad at the umpire, he goes out, he starts kicking dirt on the home plate. Then he throws, throws his hat on the plate. He takes his jersey off and lays it over the plate. And then he does, he's safe because I guess his player got put out. And so he wanted to make sure that, that referee knew, or that umpire knew, that that kid was safe. And, he, and he, just, just the silly things that coaches do. They run up and down. They yell and scream. I will never, ever forget the game we were playing here at home, his football game, and uh, some call was made, and Coach Tremble just went very animated. <laughs> he was yelling, and he was raising his voice, and he was talking a mile a minute. And the referee is an older guy named Charlie. I remember his first name. That's how impressed I was with this whole thing. And he's sitting there just nodding his head, smiling at Trimble. And halfway through the rant, he goes, well, coach, I'm going to give you what you want if you'll just hush. And he never changed expression. And Trimble didn't either. He was just all over him. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. But, you know, sometimes we just, we don't contain that when we need to. And that happens to all of us, doesn't it? So we don't need to give the devil a room to work out of. Now, if you go back in the Old Testament to the beginning, there's a, there's a story that I think captures this for us. It's the story of Cain and Abel. They were both to make an offering before the Lord. And uh, Abel made a good offering, but Cain didn't. God rejected Cain's offering. But let's see what he says in Genesis 4, 6 and 7. He says, and the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is, I'm sorry, if you do what is wrong, it should say, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, I like the word imagery here. If you do what's right, you don't have to uh, you don't have to worry. But if you're doing what's wrong, it says sin is crouching at your door. Can you see that? Sin is crouching at your door. Well, what's it ready to do? It's ready to jump on you. Sin is ready to jump on you if you don't control the inner emotions within you. I like the, I like the visual picture that gives me. And then God just says to him, why are you angry? Oftentimes, that's a great question to ask, isn't it? When somebody's just, just says, why are you upset? Why are you so angry? Oftentimes, you get angry in the stores. They've rang up something wrong or whatever. I heard one guy say, well, if they pay you, 50, this is at a McDonald's. He says, if they pay you $15 an hour, then you'll get my You'll get my uh, order just as messed up as they do when you're paying your 750. I thought, why did you need to bring any of that up? <laughs> I mean, really. Just chill out. Just chill out. It's a poor little kid trying to get his way through life. You know what I'm saying? Don't give the devil a guest room in your in your heart. But there's a couple ways for us to deal with anger. The first is we're either stewards. Or spewer. Or we're a spewer. But we're going to talk about stewers first. And you probably know which one you are. 
a stewer or a spewer. But in case you don't, we want to describe them for you. Spewers, if you're taking notes, here we go. Spewers will express their anger. They express it. And I would say probably express it is probably a nice word. It's probably more like an eruption or an explosion or whatever you'd want to describe it with. Spewers express their anger. Proverbs 29.11 says, Solomon writes, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. How many of you would honestly say that when your anger comes, frustration comes, intolerance comes, you would call yourself a spewer? How many of you would call yourself a spewer? Oh, that's very honest. Very good. Okay. Okay. Now all of you are turning around looking to see who's, who's, who's a spewer. Oh, wait a minute. Preacher said, oh, I see those hands. I see those hands. Yes, I see. That's honesty. Good for you. Or not. <laughs> because what happens if you're a spewer is there's collateral damage. Now, the spewer feels a whole lot better. Amen. I mean, they just do. Now, listen to that one in the back. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Spewers, they let it out. This. But the problem is the collateral damage. And who's the collateral damage? Those around you. Those around you. And it can really be a different group of people every time. So spewers have to be really careful. Because that collateral damage can really hurt others more than you realize. God has called us to be people of self-control. So if you're a spewer, you might want to work on that. Now I don't want I don't want to leave anybody out. So then there's that second group called the stewards. And what do stewards do? Well, stewards suppress. Stewards suppress their anger. They push it deep, 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 deep down inside. Psalm twenty uh, thirty-two three says this, King David. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Now, stewards have knocked down drag out fights as well. The only difference is... There, that knockdown drag out is done in their head. You know what I'm talking about. If, if you're dealing with a steward, you walk into the room and they just fold their arms and look at you. And they've got that look on their face. And you go, what? And then they'll say, you know. You know. How do you know? Well, the steward's got it all worked out. But they keep it all bottled up in here. There's a, there's a great story in the New Testament about Jesus. It tells a great parable about Jesus and the prodigal son, how the prodigal son gets his inheritance, goes off and spends it on wild living, and then realizes he's in the pigsty and he could do better at home just being a slave for his dad. So he goes back home and he didn't expect what he got when he got home. Dad rushes out and they have the party of parties. But the person that very rarely gets talked about in that story is the son, that the other son, the older son who didn't ask for anything, who didn't want anything. He stayed at home. He did what he was supposed to do. He did the right thing. 
He looked at his knothead brother who gets this special treatment for being an idiot. And the Scripture says in, in Luke 15, it says, They go into the house. They go into the house. And the older brother became angry. He became angry. And then did what? What does it say? Refused to go in. That's a steward. I'll just sit on the porch. I'll come. I'm having a great, great time. I'll just sit on the porch. He didn't want to talk about it, did he? He didn't want to deal with it. He just wants to stew about it. Stewing can be very destructive to the person who keeps it all bottled up. I have a tendency to do that myself. I am not very good at confronting people with things. I, I need to be better at it. I'm praying for God to give me strength to do that. I've been a peacekeeper by nature all of my life. And I don't, I don't know exactly when that started, but I've always been a person that tried to keep peace. Oftentimes at my own peril, at my own reputation, I've tried to keep peace. I've admitted doing things I never did just so it would bring peace to the moment. Any of you understand what I just said? <laughs> Not the best way to be. I've, I've been working on that, praying about it myself. Because see, things can happen to your inside if you keep it stewed up. And also, it will come out sooner or later. And oftentimes it comes out in a much stronger and harsher way than if you'd have just dealt with it at, at the first. But I have a real hard time with that. Maybe you do too. Uh, it, it can be very, very difficult. And it's dangerous how anger can affect us. Both when we spew it <laughs> because of the collateral damage. Now, that person feels a whole lot better, but everybody else is in trouble. Or the steward who kind of keeps it all in and then eventually... See, it's, so it affects us all in all different ways. Neither way is good. So what do we do with our anger? What do we do with it? It's, it's pretty interesting to, under, to, to consider and understand that 15 times in the Bible, Scripture talks about anger with a metaphor attaching it to fire. Anger and fire seem one in the same in the Bible. And so how do we deal with it? Well, the first thing, if you're taking notes there, is that you're going to have to put it out. You're going to have to put it out. When you have a fire... What's the first thing you do? Wow, we've got a fire. Let's just let that thing burn then, baby. Burn, baby, burn. Well, no, you're scrambling to find an extinguisher or something to get that fire out. Even if your sunburn and your skin's on fire, you're looking for some kind of lotion that's going to draw the, draw the, the pain out of it, right? Somebody told me aloe vera plants. And so I used to get, my mom had big aloe vera plants and I'd get them and slice them in half and just lay the whole thing on my arms. <laughs> Hoping that maybe it just pull all the sun, you know, sunburn out. But we got to put it out. You're going to have to find a way to douse emotions, keep them in check. You got to learn to become a person of self-control. Proverbs 17:14 says, "Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam." Isn't that amazing? So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. I mean, a dam has a lot of pressure on it, doesn't it? 
When I go out and drive across the Keystone Dam, I, I keep thinking, I'm going to get halfway through and the bottom's going to cave out of this thing. And here I go. And I'll be in jinx before I know it. <laughs> Riding the waves of that river. It, it, it's an amazing thing. I don't know how dams really work, but the, the, the pressure that it holds back is amazing. And so it's like letting all that go. So you've got to put it out. Don't breach the dam of anger. Drop it, it says, before a dispute breaks out. I think probably the best response is in the New Testament, in James chapter 1 and verse 9, 19, when it says, Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's be slow. Smile more. Realize that whatever it is that you're upset about is probably not going to be a big thing tomorrow. Or in 20 minutes. <laughs> it won't be such a big thing. See, so how do you get a coach from being angry to happy? Is score. Is <laughs> score. All of a sudden, he's, he's good. He's good. Seven books of the Bible say that God is slow to anger, but it doesn't say that He never gets angry. And this is where I want us to, to kind of go to finish out this morning. It says He's slow to get angry, and if, he could, if, if we could choose to give people the benefit of the doubt, to be peace givers, to become slow to get angry, it would be more like God. So what do we do? We go to God and we ask Him to forgive us and we ask Him to direct us. Parents are to set the environments we create in our homes. Children are not born angry. They're not. They're not born to hit. They're not born to be ugly. They don't know any of that. Guess where they learn it? Well, at church... Okay. That's right. Stay out of that church. Well, they learn it from us. From the parents in the home. Grandparenting is a whole lot easier than parenting. All all the grandparents say amen. And there's really one reason why they are. Because you don't have to keep them. You can treat them however you want to. You can spike them up with sugar all you want to. Let them go home. No, I'm just teasing about that part. Well, partly, but <clears throat> parents set the environments to, and they create that in their homes, and they show kids how to handle life stress situations. See, they need to see us handle things calmly and the way they should be handled. But there's a another kind of anger that we haven't talked about yet, and it's called righteous anger. And there's, <clears throat> this is where I think many of us sit on the bench. If you're, if you're taking notes, write it down. If, if a sanctified anger is a fire, then I need to fan that flame. Fan that flame. What do I mean by that? I need to fan the flame that's, uh, of that sanctified fire. I need, to, I need to take the ember of whatever it is that I see as an injustice, and be strong enough about it to do something about it, to get up off the couch and to get involved to make a difference. 
Now, we had a, a breast cancer run yesterday here in Tulsa. We had some of our church participate in it. And the whole point of the, of the race is I think everybody pays a fee to get into it, and then that money is given to the Coleman Foundation, right, for breast cancer research and treatment and so forth. But Jeff, how many, how many of the women crossed that were survivors? Just, just the number was amazing. And these were, these were multi-year. I mean, some of them were, were triple digits, you know. I mean, they've been out there, t- double digits, I should say. You know, in the 15, 20 years of being a survivor of breast cancer. It's amazing. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Because there's, there's a way that we need to get involved in those types of things. Frankly, our world's falling apart. We're seeing things that we thought we'd never ever see on our shores, do we? We're seeing them. As a grand, grandfather with grandchildren, I'm, it just scares me to death. But I'm sure my grandmother said, it just scares me to death. See, every generation says that. But our God is faithful. Our God is mighty powerful. Our God can do anything. Our God can overcome. Our God can save. Our God wants us. Our God loves us. Our God says, don't kill them, go love them. That's the God I want to serve. That's why Muslims in the thousands are coming to Christ. Now they have to do it underground. Because they'll be killed on the spot. But they're doing it. Um, Megan sent us, sent all of you a picture of Lincoln back there on the board if you want to stop by and take a look. And flip it over because there's some pictures of them too. I'm sure they'd like for you to see them. But uh, every time I look at that picture, I've looked at it this week, I just think, my goodness, my goodness. I'll get to see her in a few more weeks, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having some time with her. Gigi's already had her time, so, I, I, you know, she needs, she needs to see Grandpa because she will never be the same once I'm there. Mark chapter 3, let me get back to preaching to you. Mark chapter 3. Scripture says that Jesus looked around at things that were going on in the synagogue and said he got angry. Didn't sin. He looked at the Pharisees in anger. And so that's the kind of anger that's a righteous anger. There's things that we see within the church that we ought to get, we ought to stand up about. There's things that are going on to the church that we ought to stand up about and be concerned about. Christians are being mulled over and ran over and killed at will. That ought to to bother us. It ought to bother us to the point where we'll do something about it. To to the point where we'll do something about it. Jesus kind of got angry at a man that had a leprous hand, a shriveled hand, and and he needed completely healed. And his, his anger propelled him to do something. He looked at the man and said, stretch out your hand, and it was completely healed. So we need to fan the embers and the flame of fire of that kind of anger when we see those injustices going on. It ought to put a burden in us, and then when it does, we ought to respond by doing something about it. You realize there are 11,000 foster kids right now in the DHS system in the state of Oklahoma. And for some that are hearing me say that, it's not okay for you. We need to do something about that. 2,500 of those 
kids tonight are going to sleep in a shelter. No bedtime story, no kiss on the forehead. We need to have a Popeye moment. You remember Popeye? Cartoon Popeye? I am what I am. He had this goofy looking girlfriend. What was her name? Oh, you know, yeah. Audible. Now, why would a guy fall in love with that thing? I mean, she was, she had no figure, no hips. I mean, this, you know, nothing to draw you to her. Olive oil. She had that hair that would whoop, flip, you know. And, and then there was the evil, the enemy guy whose name was Brutus. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what would happen. Brutus would do something, especially to olive oil. And Popeye would say, I've had it. How, what was his phrase? I, I typed it down. Let me see if I can find it. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. <laughs> Remember that? And he would take the can of spinach and squeeze it and throw it up in the air. And I don't know how somehow it all came open and fell right into his mouth. And then his forearms became the size of tree trunks. And then he'd just he'd beat old Brutus up. Beat him up. Sometimes I think maybe you and I need to have a Popeye moment. We need to look at things that are going on that are wrong. And we need to say... I can't stand it anymore. But then put some legs to those prayers. Put some legs to them. You know, like Freedom House. Many of you were touched. Every time they come, you're touched by them, aren't you? Well, we still got, they left me a whole bunch of those red bags. If you're doing some fall house cleaning and you're getting rid of clothing or anything, they want it for their thrift shop. So if you need a bag, I've got a bunch of them in the office. Just grab one or two, fill them up, bring them up. We'll get them out to them somehow. They'll even come get them, they said. So, uh, you know, that's a small thing, but yet it's a big thing. Uh, maybe you could just write a letter of encouragement to somebody. Boy, that can make such a difference. Maybe as a grandparent, you could find out the names of the teachers. I met Kelsey's first grade teacher this week for Grandparents Day. Now, how about that? And what I was so sad about is how many of the children in that classroom had no one come. But they had us do something. I I, I will always remember this. They had a piece of paper that had a saying about handprints. So I put my handprint, I had put my hand and traced it on there. Cindy put hers on top of mine and traced it. And then Kelsey put hers on top of hers and traced it. So we had three levels of hands on that piece of paper. Well, that's going to mean a lot. It's going to mean a lot to Kelsey sometime that she was able to put her hand in our hand. Isn't that awesome? It's a great idea. I'll try that at your house. It really, it really make a difference. And make a difference in, in, in how you see things. Marriages. Marriages need a touch of God. They need people who are willing to fight for those marriages. So it's too easy to walk away. Over 50% of the marriages in Oklahoma end in divorce. It's half. We're second in the divorce rate in the nation behind Reno, Nevada, Oklahoma. Bible Belt. So see, we're not doing any, any better than the people outside the church. Because it's happening in the church. So what are we showing them? What are we showing the world? Are we going to let our past selfishnesses and our wounds from yesterday define our marriages? Or are we going to push it past it and move on and make, make our marriages stronger? Make them work. It takes a lot of work. So suck it up and get with it. Quit whining and complaining. 
Be grateful for what you have and who you have in your life. Can you imagine that some woman, some beautiful woman, looked at you and said, I love you? Really? Can you believe that? And then said she'd marry you? Really? Wow. Or vice versa. You handsome men, grab these ugly women off the street. Thank you for doing that. See, my wife in here, so I say all kinds of stuff. The only problem is all of you are going to call her. Hey, you know what he's in today? Well, so it doesn't matter. But do we care enough to want to fight for it? That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. That's a good anger. That's a good anger. Fan it. Fan that kind of anger till there's an inferno. But you know the best news that I know? The best news that I know is that we all deserve God's anger. Our sin caused Him to give up His only Son at Calvary. So we deserve what He could throw out at us. Our sin has separated us from God. And God in His grace gave us His Son Jesus so that we could be reconciled back to Him. Oh my goodness. What great love was that shown toward us. What great love. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we love You and we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for the cross. We thank You for a moment to be honest with You today, whether we're a spewer or a stewer. And we're living in bitterness because we've suppressed emotions. Anger is a hurtful thing. And we look at you and realize that we're wrong, and yet we hold on to those and harbor those emotions and feelings. God, I'm praying for that type of fire you put it out. By your grace, help give us what we need. God, I pray that you would calm the things that we have an intolerance to. Accept those things that are close to your heart. I'm praying, God, for every family that represents this church and those that are especially are here today. God, would you do such a deep work in them, through them, and we thank you in advance that you're going to do that because you love us so much. The book of Romans says that the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death, and so God, you're a just God. Some will suffer. Someone had to pay the penalty for sin. We deserve it. We deserve your anger. We deserve the separation. And But in our predicament, with the bad news that the penalty is the consequence, and the consequence of that sin is death and separation from you, you loved us enough to do something about it. You sent your one and only Son, Jesus, living a sinless life, Dying on the cross that He didn't deserve. But you give us hope. You gave us hope that in that moment, and maybe in a moment like this, that that light bulb will finally turn on in someone's life and they would admit that they don't really know you the way they should. 
And Father, I know there are some people in this church, in this room right here, who need to get right with you in many ways. They need to perhaps give you their heart and life for the very first time. Perhaps they just need to rededicate those lives and give you something that uh, they've been holding on to. And it's pretty simple because the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, I'm asking you today that somebody in this room will decide to call you by name. And you'll make them new through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I'm praying that they'll say yes to that prompting that's in their heart right this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Hymn of invitation, let's stand and share together.